The Wickham Wanderers Show. Welcome to this week's edition of the Wickham Wanderers Show. In the next hour, amongst other things, well, no, possibly just all of this, to be honest, uh, we'll hear from the manager, Matt Bloomfield, uh, looking back at the game against Charlton. Uh, we'll look ahead to the visit of MK Dons on Saturday. Uh, we'll chat to Phil as well with our match debrief as well. Uh, we'll hear from David Wheeler. We'll catch up with Ryan Tafrasoli, who is this week's subject, I think if that's the right expression, of Knowing Me, Knowing Blues. We'll speak to former winger Roger Moore as well. Uh, we'll pay tribute to Bob Dell who uh, sadly uh, has passed away. Uh, also, we'll speak to Mark Gateskill, who's the Chief Executive of the Wickham Wanderers Foundation, live from the Warm Hub. And there's probably uh, some other things as well, which I've uh, failed to recall. But uh, we'll, we'll bring you those uh, and more, possibly, in the next hour. But first, I'm very pleased to say uh, Phil is with us. And, uh, of course, always, thank you very much for your time. And... Uh, I guess it, a mixed emotions after Saturday because I caught the end of it. And both uh, yourself and your uh, rather excellent match summariser on the day uh, sort of said that you know if the game went on a bit longer, all three points could have been achieved. But it felt a bit like you know it's fantastic that we come back from one 0 down, but strange to feel a bit disappointed at the end. Yeah, I think you know on the on the balance of play, uh, it's good to come away from somewhere like Charlton with a point. But then you look around the games that were going on that day elsewhere in the division and the teams that weren't playing, and it was a really good opportunity to put pressure on so I think that's where the mixed emotions are but when you're 1-0 down away from home uh, let's not forget Charlton are a big club uh, big budget probably underachieving this season but looking to get things turned around under their current manager so uh, to come from behind and and get a point uh, has to be a positive Um, and like I say because the results didn't uh, went went our, our way elsewhere then we're a point closer to where we wanted to be so yeah bittersweet but looking at the positives a point but then the negatives could have been three and uh, great to see uh, Chris Farino get his goal, but also his, his overall performance in the game as well. Yeah, great performance from Big Chris. Um, wonderful header. Um, I don't think anyone was going to stop that. Um, and, you know, Charlton had some big lads out there as well. So for him to, to meet that corner from Joe Jacobson so well and put it into the bottom corner uh, was was excellent. And, you know, he... he he brought the ball down about two or three minutes after that in the box with his right foot. Uh, and it's, you know, it's probably worth remembering he did play striker when he was a bit younger as well. And you could see flashes of that. Um, so, yeah, he might come up with another couple of goals between now and the end of the season. And so what was your overall, I guess, kind of feeling, if you like, of, of, of after the game? Um, I, I, yeah, I think the positive with the point, um, I think... Looking at what we've got to come now, um, I think five of our remaining eight games are teams in the bottom half of the table or those maybe scrapping down the bottom. Um, so looking at our comparable run-ins with the teams that we're up against now to try and get into that top six, I think there's probably the bottom two playoff places available realistically uh, and it looks like it's going to be four teams, possibly five going for those two places. Um, so yeah, absolute faith and optimism that we're going to do it because of our recent history. We did it last year. Um, so yeah why not why why not um, dream big and think we can get in there so great to hear from the manager afterwards speaking with Phil I think we have to be um, pleased with a point I think you've got to respect a point away from home Um, of course every game you go into you want to take three points and win the game today was no different for us but um, being 1-0 down a tough place to come I think um, we've got to be respectful of the point and and pleased that um, from being 1-0 down we we showed that character to keep going and and I thought we got a well deserved point today it was tough in the second half, Charlton with the lead, slowing it down and you had to be patient, but the spark came from the sub, Nick Freeman. Yeah, I thought Nick did really well when he came on. Fair play to Nick. You know, obviously played um, really well against Fleetwood a couple of weeks ago and uh, did well against Burton, but then was ill. So missed a week 
week's football. So, um, yeah, TJ's been good in that position, but we just felt that Nick's fresh legs and his willingness to go and get on the ball and, and make us play would, would be key. So I thought he did really, really well. Um, had a deflected shot that maybe he could have scored with himself. I was waiting for it to hit the neck. I thought it was, I thought it was in from my angle, but yeah, he did really well. So, um, no, we've got to be pleased with his, his input. Gareth McCleary missing out with injury today. Sam Vokes already injured as well. Uh, the injury is really hampering Wickham Wanderers this, at this stage of the season. It's tough. Um, you know, obviously, um, uh, Gareth and Sam are big players for this football club, um, especially in those attacking areas. They're, they're really big, big players for us. But, you know, we have to um, be pleased with the, the squad we've got. We've got to be respectful of the boys that are in the team. I think we all know how big a part they play, um, but the boys are... Uh, are really finding their way. I think Chem's, you know, obviously making his way in the game. Um, TJ's making his way in the game. These boys have played maybe six or eight games uh, in their career starts between them, you know, so there's going to be peaks and troughs for those boys. There's going to be ups and downs. So we have to keep working with them. We're really pleased with some of the work they've done and we want to make sure we keep uh, improving them and moving forward. And the moment for Chris Farino, I mean, you mentioned a few other younger players there. We've got to remember Chris did a young player as well, but good performance at the back today and, and took his goal very well. Yeah, most certainly so. It was a tough decision to leave Jason out today. Um, uh, and, you know, it's been mulling on my mind during the week which way we were going to go with the back four and decided that um, Chris and, and Taff was going to be the pairing at the heart of the defence. I thought they did a lot of good stuff. And Chrissy, um, yeah, I think we probably forget that because he's establishing the team at the moment that he's still really young, um, still learning his game and it's hard to do it as a centre-back. I think it's really tough to, to get that experience in league games. There's going to be little mistakes along the way, but we accept that. Um, and I thought he was very good today and, and took his goal extremely well. Yeah, I think that sums up really well kind of the, the, the feeling after Charlton. So what can we expect uh, this weekend? The MK Dons uh, are coming to town. Well, I, I think this is a big game regardless of what stage of the season it's at, what, where the teams are in the table. Uh, it's a big game anyway because over the years we've had some big games against MK Dons and there's a bit of needle on this one, which I think is great. adds a bit more interest as well. I mean, Wickham Wanderers fans famously... Uh, dislike MK Dons before balls even been kicked, as do large sections of the English game. Um, you know whether you believe in that or not, but that's that seems to be the truth. Um, but yeah, Wickham Wanderers, it's another team in front of them at Adams Park, and where they are in the table, they need the three points. But um, also quite brilliantly, where MK Dons are in the table, they also really need the three points, which adds another level of spice to the game as well, because they've had a dreadful season and are fighting relegation. So you know they need the three points just as much as Wickham. Uh, I think getting relegated for them would be would be quite disastrous um, after their recent history. Um, and yeah, I think Wickham Wanderers need those three points as well to keep the pressure on the top six. So, you know, a very spicy game uh, before you've even, even looked into the recent history of it. I was going to say, because I'm sure many fans will have memories of, of you know, living in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's last May, wasn't it? What a night that was at Adams Park, by the way, the 2-0. Um, that, that's the game that essentially got Wickham Wanderers to Wembley in terms of the scoring of the goals. Um, a defensive masterclass at Stadium MK as well. So yeah, that's just one of the examples of the recent history we've had there. Uh, it's all recent history, isn't it, with those guys? So, which again, really adds to the to the memories of it. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, we've, we're in a really good position coming into the game. Um, I think Matt will be level-headed about it and see it as just another game and he'll want to get that three points on the board. 
Uh, he feels that we've been unlucky, you know, in terms of the chances created and, and the points returned so far. Um, but now, you know, eight games to go and the way that things are looking in that top six, we can really need to start putting some wins together now. And for anyone not going to the game, they'll be able to hear it live on Wanderers TV and, of course, uh, on Wickham Sound on 106.6. And you've recently uh, discovered who you'll be having alongside you. Yeah, Danny Senders back in the commentary box with us, which will be fantastic. Um, but yeah, if, if you're thinking about going to the game, then please do, because this game's got everything. Like I said, two teams fighting for very different reasons for, for an all-important three points. And the Wickham fans can really play their part on Saturday and get behind the boys as well because uh, a decent win on Saturday can hopefully set them up for a really strong finish uh, that will propel them into the top six. And historically, Wickham fans have come out at this stage of the season and, and been the 12th person. And we really look forward to that happening again now. And as we heard last week, down to the final four home games now. Yeah, the final four. Um, there's posters up around town as well. If you're a business who wants to display one, there's all sorts of incentives as well. So head on down to Adams Park and pick some of those up too. Uh, and yeah, just get the town behind uh, Wickham Wanderers because you know, with the fire brigade up there this week and, and they said, you know, the, the guys there were saying that, you know, the Wanderers really put the town on the map and make the town proud. And uh, this is the time of year to get involved. Pleasure to speak to you. Thank you so much for your time. Always a pleasure, Colin. Great to have Phil uh, with us this week. And don't forget, you can hear the uh, extended version of uh, his post-match chat uh, with Matt on Wanderers TV. We also caught up with uh, David Wheeler uh, this afternoon to get his uh, assessments on uh, uh, the game coming up. Of course, the former MK Dons player himself. I think you know, it was a brilliant, a brilliant header by Chris and a great performance from him. Um, but yeah, I, I felt the game was was very even. If anything, I think on, on chances, we edged it. Uh, I think we started very well. Um, and and obviously, yeah, the goal was off the back of five or ten minutes of pressure from them. I think probably overall the draw was fair, but um, yeah, we're always when we score that late on, we're always going to back ourselves to try and go and win the game. And and yeah, we were very close. And I guess other results going away as well. Still just three points outside the top six now. Yeah, obviously, you know, we were disappointed after the game, but we actually that bit closer to to our goal of making the playoffs. So yeah, it's a funny thing how that it can change your perspective. And something else has happened this week, of course, there's uh, Wickham coming joint sixth in the Sustainability League, which must really please you. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, it's just it's just really great that we're we're starting to make make waves on that. Um, there's obviously it's, it's never a finished finished work. It's, it's you have to keep keep improving all the time. Um, but obviously, hope, next season hoping to be climbing up near the top of the table. Are there sort of aspects which please you the most? For example, the the floodlights. Obviously, they use less energy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the the main thing is is using less energy, and that's that's one of the biggest things. I think um, the exciting thing is is that people are getting more and more engaged in in the process, and and we're going to hopefully get get our fans a lot more a lot more involved in the process going forward. So um, I think that's going to make a huge difference. A really important for you as a sustainability champion as well, the first uh, PFA, and being at the club as well to help you know certainly this club as well get the message across. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't look great if we were bottom of the table, would it? Um, so, yeah, like it's, uh, yeah, good, good for me. But you know, the, the the main thing is is that Wickham's moving in the right direction, and it is. And obviously, this weekend coming up against one of your, your former clubs, does that feel uh, a bit special? Because I think fans obviously find it interesting to know what, what, what how players feel coming against teams they used to play for. Yeah, no, it always always adds a little bit extra. Like, I I quite enjoy it to be honest. So I've um, been quite fortunate that I've I've scored against old clubs a couple of times. So. Um, yeah, it's just yeah, it's, it's, it just means it's like a little bit more gives gives a bit more of a of an edge for me, I'd say. And in the table, not really suggesting they've had such a great season, but uh, you know, a team who's still quite capable. Oh yeah, without a doubt, you don't go from being 
a team that was you know a game away from making the playoff final last year to to useless. There's there's some very very good players, very good technically gifted players, um, and it just obviously for various reasons hasn't worked out this season. But um, but they've off the back of three wins, so they're going to be they're going to be a tough test. And does it feel extra excitement amongst the team at the moment because you're down to sort of the final eight now? Yeah, yeah. I I always love this this time of the season. It's like you know the business end of the season is what you know it gets called, and yeah, it's it's it adds a little bit of excitement to it, and and yeah, it's it's much more enjoyable when you're when you've got really got something to play for. And just finally, what would be your message to supporters, both about the sustainability, but also about where the team is at the moment? Um, yeah, I'd say you know with the sustainability side of things, like if you want to if you want to get involved, just just get in, get in touch. There's there's going to be things happening in the in the next few months um, to get everyone in, more involved in the process. Um, and yeah, it, like contact the club, contact me directly if 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 you want to try and do that, and and you know lend a voice and lend some ideas because it's, it's always going to help. Um, what was the other part of your question? Sorry, uh, just about where the team is at the moment. Yeah, I think we're we're in a space where we've unfortunately obviously lost some big key players to injury. Um but the encouraging thing is that's happened seems to have happened throughout this season and we've we've managed to still still come up trump, so we've got to keep doing that. Great chat to David Wheeler a little later on a little earlier on this afternoon and also uh, something to watch out for on Wickham Wanderers social media tomorrow. It'll be the uh, full episode of Knowing Me, Knowing Blues. Here's a preview with this week's subject, Ryan Chaffazoli. Ryan, hello. Nice to meet Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. How are you? Yeah, all good, thanks. Good. good. Um, I've heard you've had a haircut, especially for this I episode have. today. I did say to Phil last week, I'm going to get a trim for this especially. Got it. And I stuck to my word. So, <laughs> um, so you, I'm a little bit offended, actually. You haven't watched any of these videos so far, No Me, No Blues. I haven't, yeah. I actually haven't, but I, I didn't know about them. But you get the gist of it. You know, yeah. we're just, I'm yeah, going to yeah, ask yeah. you, basically, a lot of uh, fans have been asking questions specifically okay, for you. We've got some good ones here today, so shall we jump into it? You ready? Yeah, let's go. Okay, question one. What is your go-to comfort TV show? That's from Grant. <sighs> right now, I'm watching Lucifer with my missus. Oh, I yeah. I don't know if you've seen that. Not Luther, Lucifer. Lucifer. Um, lacks a bit of substance, but it's good. <laughs> Not selling it to us. <laughs> um, or, or we've just started Married at First Sight Australia. I've not. I've watched Easy one episode. Watch. I was actually hooked after yeah, one episode, get, but I haven't carried on yet, so I need to watch that. Yeah, yeah, it gets feisty. Every uh, episode's juicy. Is it? Mm. Lots of bombshells and drama, isn't there? Yeah, literally. Yeah. Um, okay, from Bluey the Swan, if there was an over-the-top Rope Royal Rumble match involving the current squad, who would win? The current squad, okay. So, that, obviously, last season would have been an easy one, I can tell uh, <laughs> This year... Do you know what? When you, I reckon when when it comes to things like this, you got to take weight into consideration. Like weight plays a big part when it comes to a Royal Rumble. So I'm gonna go either me or Voxy. You've got just go for yourself if you want to. But there are a few like scrappers in there, TJ Jaspers and stuff. They would uh, they'd back themselves. Maybe that's the next bit of content we need to do. We'll do a Royal Rumble, see who wins. I think they were gonna make one happen the other day in training. No way. Yeah, or maybe you TJ, could do it on YouTube. TJ and Jasper were gonna have it out. First one to hit the ground loses, but. It, <laughs> I think Kian and stopped it. Okay, Johnny King would like to know who puts more effort into their eyebrow grooming, you or Adam Leathers? Leathers. He, get, he, get, he gets his uh, he gets his eyebrows. Um, what do you call it? Threaded. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's just like a step too far, isn't it? Well, there's you nothing wrong with a bit of, of maintenance. 
Yeah, yeah. The thing is, mine are like I've I've split these open about ten, eleven times now. So okay. people call me. A, I'm walking down the street sometimes, and people are like, "Are you a boxer?" And I'm like, "No, I just <laughs> split my eyebrows open playing football, doing royal um, rumbles." But yeah, I'll give that one to Levers. He'll take that one. He'll be happy with that one. Yeah, I think that's a compliment. Uh, what's your favourite cheese from Andy? Probably nacho. <laughs> I'm joking. Mozzarella, standard. Oh, I do yeah. like I do like blue cheese as well. Yeah, blue cheese. Yeah. I used to hate blue cheese, but I'm a fan now. Um, Andy, I don't know if it's a different Andy or the same Andy, would like to know who would win in a properly refereed table football match between you and Lily. <laughs> Lily. <laughs> she's wise. She gets down low. And she's like, oh, I'm just chilled. Yeah, she'd win. Oh, love she, that for she, her. She's giving me good games in um, in Dubai. Lovely. Uh, Roberto said, from someone whose second name is always spelt wrong, what is the weirdest way your second name has been spelt or pronounced? Someone called me Ryan Talzify once, and that was, I just thought that was just way off it. Um, Doesn't even sound the same. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, just like people adding E's and stuff, there's no E in my surname, mm. little things like that. I mean, my name's Rebecca, and I always get called Rachel, so it happens oh, really? to us all, I think. <laughs> Uh, Grant would like to know oh we've already asked this one it's on here twice what's your favourite comfort TV show Lucifer Um, Jack said the most who's the most famous player you have played with played with Victor Moses at school Ivan Tony at Peterborough Ben White at Peterborough Jared Bowen at Hull so one of them four one of them four nice long list there uh, Tracy said we get this quite a lot oh no it's a little bit different if you were stranded on a desert island what mm. food would you miss the most foods oh god that's a tricky one for me because in season I eat so healthily like I don't I don't enjoy eating food really in the off season though if I was just like could eat what I wanted I'd probably miss cake like, I like cake oh okay what cake though Victoria sponge Oh, Victoria Sponge, mm. really? Yeah, I like carrot cake oh. as well, but Victoria Sponge for me. Okay, just a just your average yeah, Victoria Sponge. Yeah. Like okay. a homemade, a nice homemade one with a lot of jam. Lovely. Uh, Claire said, what made you want to start your YouTube channel? Oh, I just had this idea when I was playing for Hull to, to um, try and like help people become footballers and I thought the best way to do it would be grow an audience on YouTube first and then release programmes and stuff later down the line. And then the rest is history. Yeah. yeah. YouTube famous. <laughs> nah, no, not, not at all. That's it. We've come to the is end. That, is that it? All your questions. Oh, nice. Well done, nice. Ryan. You made it through. Thanks a lot. For you that, survived guys. the hot seat. Oh, brilliant. Thank you very Thank much. You. Online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM, this is Wickham Sound. Still to come on this week's edition of the Wickham Wanderers Show, we'll chat to uh, the Chief Executive of the Wickham Wanderers Foundation, Mark Gateskill, live from the Warm Hub. It's the final one of, uh, well, the current season. And uh, we'll be finding out more, a, bit, a little bit more about what the Foundation has coming up as well. And we'll hear from manager Matt Bloomfield. But first, uh, with thanks as always to the Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Association, uh, we'll catch up with another former player who, uh, around 40 years ago, was playing his trade at Adams uh, Local. Park, excuse me, and uh, shares his name with a former Bond actor. After leaving the club, he went on to uh, play for Marlow and Flackwell Heath as well, and did some coaching at Chalfont St Peter. But first, uh, let's hear from Roger Moore and uh, his earliest memories of uh, his first time at Wickham Wanderers. I was playing grassroots football. It was for Oakridge, which is originally a church side, and they played football every Saturday, never on a Sunday. And um, 
I remember playing against Flackle Heath. And at the time, Mike Keane was uh, the manager. And um, I had a good game, scored a few goals. And um, as my years went on, I basically ended up playing for Flackle Heath. And um, after that, Mike Keane was uh, manager at Wickham Wanderers. And he said, um, I want to bring you down to Wickham. And I thought, ooh, this um, is a big leap for me. And um, it's something you don't turn down. I had to go for it. We started off in the reserves, had a, a season there, which I found very hard at first, training with, with some of the first team players as well as some of the reserve guys. It was an experience, a big eye-opener for me. But it was nice to come from grassroots football and actually get to play in a, a semi-pro league as well as play with some really good, talented footballers that was around me. After that, I hit a purple patch in my second season where I was just scoring goals left, right and centre, scoring for fun. And um, some of the other reserve team players were getting selected for the first team. And I, I didn't get selected. So about um, Tim Manning, who was the manager of the reserves at the time, he said, uh, just keep going. Just keep doing what you're doing and um, it'll come. I trained hard, just keep um, doing my bits and pieces on the pitch, scoring the goals. And then I hit another purple patch while I was just scoring goals. And then uh, I earned uh, my first call-up for the first team. And um, it was a bit of a, an eye-opener. Playing at Lutz Park was a big eye-opener for me in the first place. And bear in mind, I played on Lutz Park before, but that was playing for grassroots football in cup finals and, and other bits and pieces. But I actually playing for Wickham Wonders at the time and, you know, playing in front of a crowd. It was brilliant. It was, you, you know, you have that hearted moment. You think, wow, dude, I'm, I'm living the dream. I can't remember the first game I played in, but it was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely loved the, the atmosphere, the crowds. You know, they welcomed me in with open arms, which was really nice. Um, which is one thing about the, the, the Wickham public. They are very nice to us, <laughs> to the players and everything. You know, that first game, it was nerve-wracking. Just getting out there, getting through the 90 minutes, doing what you was taught on the training ground and everything else. And it was, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Absolutely loved it. I think we won the game, but it was when you get that buzz, you just want more. And um, it was, like I said, it's definitely something that I, that will live with me for the rest of my life. An extra special as well, being born in Wickham and getting to play for, you know, your hometown club. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, it is extra special, yeah. it's Boy, if you, if, when you, it doesn't care which hometown you live, in, you live in. If you get selected or you get picked to actually represent your hometown and... My dad was, he wasn't doing cartwheels, let's put it that way. He's not exactly a sportsman, but, you know, it was a proud moment for him as for me. You know, especially like when I was at school playing football, that's one thing that you always dreamed about, playing for your home hometown. And I had a lot of mates saying, well, you know, you, you've achieved something that a lot of us didn't get that chance to do. And there was a lot of talented footballers around the town the same age, even some of that were even a bit younger than me, who uh, had that skill, had the talent, and were very, very good footballers. But I was, I was in the right place at the right time, and 
you know, they saw my ability. And yeah, it, I'm still, sometimes I still pinch myself that, yeah, I, you know, I actually played for the club. And um, it's brilliant. Absolutely loved it. And your experience really must have shown how, how competitive the, just playing the reserve, in the reserves can be. Oh, yeah. The, the, you know, playing in the reserves, the, the thing is, is when you played in the reserves, it was that, that step to that next level. It gives you that step. And you just got to believe, believe in your abilities. You know, I remember playing against Woking um, for... Uh, golly, this is like halfway through the season and um, the, the reserves was doing really well. And I remember that the, the guys were saying, look, this is going to be a tough game. And they had a few first team players in their, in their side and Woking were a pretty good side at the time. And you just, you got to say to yourself, right, I've got to raise the bar a bit more. And I managed. I remember I managed. We won the game. I scored. A, I scored a goal. I think I did an assist as well. So and it, it put me. It, it puts. Um, it gives you focus to say, right. My goal is to play in that first team. That was um, how I was driven. And it's like any any sort of uh, any sportsman. You, you got that drive to actually get to that next level. And yeah, it, it was to, to get through that game. And then that was that was the one that kickstarted me to going getting into the first team. And you're in a league-winning side in the reserves as well. Yeah, yeah, it was whole, you know, that was unbelievable. Absolutely, we was um, we was doing really well throughout the season. And I can remember some of the games we played against, we played in were we, we were just untouchable. We absolutely cruised some of the games. But there were some games that, that were really good, tough battles, which we enjoyed. But getting to the end of the season and winning the actual league itself was... I still got the medal, believe it or not. <laughs> winning that league was, um, is for me, was not just for me, for the team itself, was a, it was a great season. It really was a very good season. The boys played, played out of their skins. They really did. And, um, and you know... I've, I played my part and, you know, the, the, the goalkeeper played his part as well as the defenders and the, the whole team. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So were there any other games or occasions that really stand out either in the reserves or the first team during your time at the club? The game against Woking was one of, my, was one of the standout games for me. The game against, I think it was Dulwich Hamlet. Well, let's go back to the Woking game first. The Woking game was brilliant. Because I really enjoyed that game. We all clicked. That day, I mean, you know, it was a very good match. Then, when I like saying a few games after that, I went into the into the first team. It was the um, the last game of the season. I can't, I think we played against Dulwich Hamlet, and I scored my first goal. So, you know, that was one of my standout moments. As a goal scoring game was, I remember we played against Adelston, and um, I scored a hat trick. And um, the, the nice thing about that game was. Um, we won the game quite comfortably, but it was like everybody just looked at me and thought, wow, everything you were hitting was going in the back of the net. So it was really nice. And when, this, when I read the box we pressed the following week, it was a, a nice little write-up regarding my fitness, me scoring a hat-trick and, um, and everything else. So they're the, the, like the three sort of standout moments, two for the, in the reserves and uh, one scored my first goal against Dulwich Hamlet um, for the first team. 
I'm sorry to bring up a, a blemish on your disciplinary record, but I, I, oh. under, I, I, <laughs> I understand there was a, a bizarre altercation uh, with, a, with a teammate which occurred. Do tell us more. Yeah, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, we was playing against Wembley away. And um, I, had to, I remember I, I, I was uh, running down the ring, got skipped past a couple of tackles, and my, one of my colleagues, Paul West, God bless his soul. Um, he he was um, he was he was uh, the midfield general in, and uh, he was he was calling for the ball, and um, I skipped past another player and I didn't pass to him, and I got fouled basically. So um, he's come up to me, goes and he's you know he's, he's shouting at me and, and he said, "Why did you pass the ball?" Blah blah blah. And, uh, and I looked at him and I just pushed him away and I said, look, what is wrong with you? You know, we've got a free kick, we've got, you know, so, and he's still going on. And, um, yeah, we had a, an altercation and um, the referee is, um, the referee was, I, I don't know what was wrong with the referee for some reason. He had it in for me that day. And um, he, he spoke to me earlier regarding something I said to him and he didn't take too kind. So, and then I had the altercation with Paul, and then he showed me a straight red, and I thought, "Golly!" So I was, I was like, I couldn't believe it. And at that moment, you know, I, I, I honestly thought my career was at Wickham was finished. I really did. And um, so I was going to the changing room. I, um, I was in the changing room. I was sitting there, and I was thinking to myself, you know, really and truly, this wasn't. This is could have, this could have been avoided. So when the game was finished, I was I was just sat in the changing room, and um, Paul the the boys came in, and Paul started at me again, and we were, we were arguing. But it was it was handbag stuff more than anything else, because after the after that last thing, I served my suspension and everything, and um, and we got on, we got on, you know, we lots of shook hands. <laughs> it was handbags at dawn more than anything else, but but yeah, it is something that um, it was the heat of the moment. And the, the worst thing about it was we got um, like I saying, I think that game against Wembley, one of my best mates was playing for Wembley, and um, you know he was basically just. I, I remember speaking to him after the game, and he goes, "Boy, you know, really and truly, you, you shouldn't have got sent off, but." You know, it happened. And um, we lost the game 9-2, which was, believe it or not, still one of the worst defeats I've ever encountered in my football career. You know, getting sent off didn't really help. You know, um, there's been a couple of times where my discipline has gone out the window in, in matches. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a winner, you know. And um, I, try, I always want to try and do my best on the field. And I always want to do the best for my teammates and try and win. Maybe, but maybe it was um, the, the red mist came down and I shouldn't have done it. I know the standout moment was a tour of Malta, which I know you really enjoyed as well. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. It was one of those tours where I was drafted in like last minute. And uh, I was, that was when Mike Keane was, was sacked from, um, from the football club. And um, Paul Bentz took over, and they they said, um, "Well, you, you know, you're you're part of the first team. Come along. We, you know, we, you know, we want you to get in, you know, get involved in with the first team." And um, so I said, "Yeah, you know, uh, 
I said to my dad, I'm off to Malta. And he goes, what, what are you doing out there? He goes, oh, it's, it's with the first thing, Rick and Wanda's. And he goes, wow. So I was, you know, I was really excited and um, got out there and lovely weather. And it was, uh, it was brilliant. The two games, I was, I was um, fortunate to score in the first game where we, I think we drew one all, or I think it was 2-2. I'm not 100% sure. Yes, yeah, 2-2, I think we drew. And I think it was Salima Wanderers. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. And then we, I played the, the second game and we won it 1-0 and I scored the winning goal. So for, for me, that was, wow, that... You know, that, that to me was brilliant. Absolutely. I was over the moon about that. Absolutely brilliant. And that's, that's another moment where that I could take with me to my grave to say, yeah, the, the tour was brilliant. Really, really enjoyed it. Absolutely brilliant. And I can remember Brian Lee after the second game when we played um, the, the second Maltese football team. He said, um, oh, do you fancy coming out here? And I goes, what, to play again? He goes, no, no, permanently to play because the one of the managers said, asked if I wanted uh, to transfer over to Malta to play for the team. But I said, um, no, I couldn't. There's no way I was going to, I was going to give up Wickham to, to move over to Malta. And plus, not only that, I was, I was still quite young as well. So, you know, um, I, I when we got back to the UK, it was uh, a case of like trying to fight for a place in the um, in the first team at Wickham. Brilliant, absolutely fond memories. Good time with the with the guys, the other Wickham lads. It was brilliant, absolutely brilliant fun. And you mentioned Mike Keane being sacked. Another turning point was when, when they scrapped the reserves because that that must have been quite a quite a blow. Ah, uh, yes, it was. Um, the, the sad thing about it was when um, when Mike Keane left, uh, I, you know, I, 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 owe, I owe a lot to Mike. He really, you know, because without his his guidance, his influence as well, and his, you know, he he he, he actually believed in me. He says, "I know you could do it. I know you got the skill. I know you got the talent to to thrive in this team." And when he actually when he left and the disbandment of the of the reserves and then when Paul Bentz came in I, I'm not going to beat around the bush about this the, the thing with Paul Bentz he said to me when we got back to it from the tour he said that really and truly you might not feature in the first team plans until later on in the season and I said to myself I looked at him I goes well I don't understand why you see that because that was when he was looking to bring in the farmer duo of um, Declan Link and Simon Reid and I didn't know nothing of them. As far as I knew, there were two strikers who were going to come to Wickham and basically just, you know, I would have to fight for a place like everybody else. So when they, um, they put me back in the reserves, I was like, uh, I can't believe this. You know, Paul Betts didn't believe in my, my ability, even though he saw what I did out in Malta. It was a bit disheartening. So I didn't let it get to me. I, I remember with the, the reserves um, had a new manager as well. And golly, it wasn't the same. The spirit had gone from the previous. Most of the reserve players who won the, um, the Suburban League under Tim 
disappeared. They got in a new set of players and everything else. And um, it just wasn't the same sort of vibe, camaraderie. The talent that actually were playing was, to me, I felt was below par. It just wasn't the same. And um, I had a couple of head twos with the manager regarding this situation. And, um, and I spoke to Paul Bench again. I said, look, you know, I don't understand why you put me back in the reserves. You know, I'm not fighting for a place and training with the first team. And he, he wouldn't give me an explanation. So, yeah, it was a bit disheartening. So I, had to, um, I tried, I, I stayed there as long as I could. And um, it was, that's when I got approached by Marlow, Mar, um, Marlow Football Club. And um, I had to make a decision whether to stay in, a, in a, a team where I didn't feel like I was wanted or um, or go and go past this new. So I decided the latter goes somewhere new. So what do we find you doing these days? So these days, I spend most, most of my time looking at my, watching my son play football, Mason. He's at um, Rick and Wanderers Developments at the moment. Being, yeah, he, he's doing really well. And um, and where I am now with um, my first love has always been music away from the football, uh, DJ at um, events as well as um, DJ in abroad. I've been to Croatia, I've DJed in France as well as in um, Portugal. And I work on Starpoint Radio, which is a, a sole internet radio station. Could be found everywhere on your on your smart speakers and all sorts. <laughs> so it's it's just do that on a Thursday Thursday night nine o'clock till eleven, and Saturday afternoon three o'clock till five o'clock. And um, looking out for Mason is is um, is seeing him um, blossom as a footballer. Um, he he's got it in inside he's got it inside him at the moment that you know that's what he wants to do, and um, so I don't get involved in the coaching side of Mason. I just try and speak to him, tell him where his plus is, you know, the positives and where he needs to improve. And then he takes it on from there. It's, it's great watching him coming up. And, um, and you know, at 13, I said to him that when I was his age, I scored 60 odd goals. And he's looked at me, he goes, yeah, right, every dad. And then I pulled out a little trophy and I said, there's, there it is, there's the proof. And he got, it was like, he had to pick, roll his tongue up <laughs> off the floor. But um, it's nice watching him play. And, you know, I do hope he, he succeeds because he has got the drive to succeed. And, um, yeah, most of the time I, I was just chilling out and um, with my, my partner, Beverly. And um, we just do, you know, just... Yeah, we just go out. We still go out and party now and then. But like I said, the spare time is, is just, I'll get at that age now where I'll just leave it to the youngsters, let them do what they have to do. And, I'll, and I'm, I'm more than happy to do the radio shows and do, do a few events and, um, and enjoy, the, enjoy, enjoy my, time, my spare time when I got it. 
Pleasure to catch up with Roger Moore and uh, get his memories. First ex-player uh, that we've had on that's plugged another radio show. Uh, we spoke to him earlier in the week before the sad news that one of his former teammates and former club captain Bob Dell has uh, sadly died suddenly at the age of 64. Uh, he fell ill whilst working at his building company and passed away at St Mandeville Hospital after suffering a heart attack. Uh, our thoughts along with the Wickham Wanderers ex-player association of course uh, with his wife and two children and uh, brother Ant as well. He played for the club between 1979 and 1986 making 397 senior appearances. Online, on Radio Player and on 106.6 FM This is Wickham Sound. Final part of this week's Wickham Wanderer show. Still to come, we'll catch up with manager Matt Blinfield. Uh, we'll hear from our international fans More on that. Ooh. <laughs> the studio haunted and also uh, we'll bring you up to date with uh, what's happening with Wickham Wanderers women as well uh, but first I'm very pleased to say uh, we can speak to uh, Mark Gateskill who's the chief executive of the Wickham Wanderers Foundation live from the Warm Hub at Adams Park thank you so much indeed uh, for speaking to us this week Hi Colin good evening always a pleasure thanks for the invite I guess really sort of mixed emotions as well though because it's the last one Ah oh, it's, uh, it's, it's a bittersweet feeling tonight Colin it's the, it's the last night of a of a three-month, originally two-month project, um, our, our Wickham Wonders Warm Hub, which is, is our, our warm space for over 65. And it's, yeah, it's the last night. And we've had a bumper night because we've, we've brought a group of local kids in who've also had a stadium tour. Uh, so we've had around 70, 70 people this evening. So it's been a, been a great way to finish for the moment. We do hope to come back. And you must be so pleased with the, the reaction that you've had from those that have attended. Yeah, look, it's been, it's been fantastic. Like I say, we, we'd originally planned to to run for two months uh, and we managed to extend that for, for a further month because it had been such a success and I think we probably served close to, close to a thousand meals in that, in that time so uh, yeah we're, we're, we're delighted and, and hope to come back maybe as a, as a cool hub in the summer. And some of the highlights of course you've had current players, ex-players and a radio show has been broadcast live from there as well. We have. We've had some wonderful guests, including your, your fine selves from Wickham Sound. Uh, we had Jasper, uh, Jasper Pattenden who come, who, who's been at the hub previously in one of the previous nights and he's come down again this evening shows how much that he's he's had a lovely meal which uh, he wasn't supposed to so i think he'll be in trouble when he gets home um but it's been uh, it's been a yeah, real success and i guess it, it really sort of goes to really highlight what the, the foundation is all about yeah no, i think it's we're, look we're here to ultimately serve the community right and, and using the, the football club and the power of football for good and and I feel like we do that. We've got such a range of projects. We help lots of different people. Um, and this has been a really great initiative at a time where, you know, the community and, and people are struggling. The, the cost of living crisis is real. We wanted to help that that particular sort of demographic of, of over 65s. And, you know, we felt that you know, transport and getting down to Adams Park, as you know, might be challenging for that age group. So we added the plus one. And, and actually... Very few have used that plus one. They've made the effort. They've come down themselves, and, and I think they've had a great time. And some brilliant stories as well from people who you know don't necessarily come, come to watch the football normally. They've they just they've just heard about it and, and turned up for for you know social purposes. Yeah, we've spoken about this before. You know, it's these aren't Wickham fans or, or, or even football people, like you said. There are some uh, and some great stories of, of former Wickham fans. I remember a couple we had in one of the early weeks, sort of in their eighties. They'd driven down to the stadium themselves, used to be season ticket holders, um, and now are sort of a little bit unstable on their feet, so don't necessarily feel completely safe coming along to, to match their experiences with, with thousands of people. And, and back they came. So 
the look on their faces to come back to Adams Park um, was fantastic. And then, like I say, the, the people that, that aren't necessarily football people, it's their first exposure to the football club, and I, I think it's been a good one. And you've got another fantastic event coming up next week. Again, a great example of, of what the foundation's all about. Yeah, we do. And, and like I mentioned, look, we're, we're trying to reach out and engage with as many people in the community as we can. It's, it's the, the Muslim holy month of Ramadan, um, and we're, we're hosting a community iftar here at Adams Park next week. Um, and this is not just sort of 10, 20, 30 people. We've got 200 people booked up uh, coming to the event next week. Um, Maghreb prayers are also going to take place on, on the pitch, which is fantastic. And, and anyone who knows um, a groundsman for a, for a football club will know they are very, very particular over their grass <laughs> pitches. So this is really fantastic again that the, the club are fully brought into it. The groundsman's been great. Um, so we'll have 200 odd people praying on, on the pitch on, on Tuesday. Then they'll break fast and, and go for Riftar in the, in the Caledonian suite, which is where the, where the hub is tonight. Uh, and then there'll be some further prayers and it'll just be a, be, a, be a wonderful evening. And as you say, really special to show that the club you know, is, is so accessible for all. Yeah, look, we're, football is you know, it's obviously very prominent and prevalent at the moment. Football's for everyone, you know, and, and, and football clubs are, are the heartbeats of their community and they should be. And therefore, they should be accessible and be reaching out and engaging with everyone. And, and that's what we're trying to do. And what do you hope the main message sort of fans take away from, from the work that you're doing is? Um, probably what I've just described there, that, that the football club is, is here, it's here, it's here for everyone. We want everyone to kind of enjoy the experience when they come to Adams Park. But also that it's not just football. You know, again, we've spoken in the foundation, we do lots of different projects. Football's a a key vehicle and, and present in a number of them, but there's lots of things we do that, that there's no football in sight. You know, like this warm hub, we, we haven't we haven't really talked football, we haven't had football on the screen, um, but the football club is the vehicle that, that that's facilitated these these programmes happening. So yeah, that look we're we're here to help the community. Um, you know, we, we, we secured some funding next last week actually for for another new programme, a youth intervention programme, um, which is enabling us to 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 recruit uh, another full-time member of staff. So we've actually got a, got a job out there at the moment, an inclusion and, and health development officer role with us. So we're, we're trying to help people. We're trying to create employment opportunities. We're trying to grow the presence, obviously, of the football club as well. And, and it's, uh, look, it's a very rewarding role. Well, it's been a real pleasure to speak to you. And just remind us where people can find out more about the work the foundation does or anything that we've spoken yeah, about. So they can follow us on our, on our social media platform. So that's at WWFCFDN. Uh, or via our website, which is wickhamwanderersfoundation.co.uk. Thank you so much, Neil, for your time. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Colin. Uh, Wickham Wanderers Foundation Chief Executive Mark Gateskill speaking to us here at uh, Wickham Sound on the Wickham Wanderers Show. Uh, Luke joins us to uh, uh, tell us about another great initiative. We, we hear about the uh, the worldwide Wickham Wanderers. What's it called? Don't ask me, because I never can get the, the last <laughs> word right. Fans from around the world, Colin. <laughs> International fans. The worldwide Wanderers phenomenon. Yeah, that that's it? that's the right one. Yeah. Uh, yes, we uh, heard previously from uh, Australia a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this time we're in America uh, where uh, Ken and Annie Kaufman are supporters of the Chairboys. Nigel has been talking to them uh, and this sort of starts off by t- uh, talking about how they got into the club. I would say back in the uh, probably mid-1990s, I developed an interest in uh, soccer on this side of the pond, football uh, in the UK, in Europe, the rest of the world. And uh, I, I followed the Mexican League, actually, initially, 
And uh, I think it was more around the FA Cup competition. I got some exposure. I, we subscribed to a, uh, a uh, satellite service at the time that broadcast the, the FA Cup. I think it was through Fox Sports here in the U.S. And uh, I, I just developed an appreciation for the English game, the, you know, the level of play across all the different leagues from Premier all the way down to League Two and even into the non-league, I felt was exceptional. And I used to follow Sky Sports News just to try to, you know, start to follow the different leagues and all. And I noticed that there was this club called Wickham that had recently uh, gained promotion into League One from League Two. Um, I, I, it's just my quirk. I'm not the kind of guy that tends to follow the teams at the very tops of the leagues, whatever sport I follow. I kind of find interest in the teams that are maybe mid-level or what have you. And uh, anyway, the, the Wickham story just seemed very impressive to me. They gained promotion. It was back in the days when Gary Waddock was the uh, manager. And so I followed them through that season. Uh, they ended up getting relegated, uh, unfortunately. But uh, and, uh, it was the following season where Gary uh, basically picked up again for maybe a month, month and a half or so. And then he was let go, unfortunately. And that's when Gareth, uh, assumed the uh, the mantle of player manager and and actually would sub himself in at times during the games and it was just fascinating I you know I uh, uh, I, I I had not seen a club that kind of functioned that way with the player manager dynamic and just the the energy and the the players and the level of play I thought was superb I didn't get a chance to watch them back in those days because we didn't have any video feeds unfortunately uh, in League Two back then, but I did end up subscribing to player HD back then. And I would get up every morning, kind of like I do now on Saturdays or midweek, we watch them during midday here in the U S but uh, I would listen to their uh, Phil catch poll and others that would be broadcasting the games from these different arenas in the UK. Um, and, and just listen to the live audio and follow them that way. That's really interesting. And so, so really you didn't get a, a, a real understanding much uh, in those early days for the surroundings that the football was being played in even. That's yeah, right. exactly. Wow. That's, that, exactly that, right. that's really unusual because we take it for granted being uh, a British uh, football fans, you know, you see it everywhere, but from, uh, from your perspective, it must've been quite a revelation then when a few years later, you actually had the first opportunity to actually see the games as well as listening to them. So, for instance, I would imagine that would be early I follow, would it? Uh, yeah, early I follow. Uh, the cable service that we subscribe to or satellite service through Fox Sports, I think, occasionally would broadcast. Well, I could see them maybe through FA Cup games because they would play. They would broadcast some of the FA Cup games. Occasionally, they would have a League One, League Two match, but it was very rare. So, yeah, absolutely. I follow was really my first opportunity to, uh, other than watching highlights, you know, via, um, I think Player had highlights back then. And then, of course, they were on YouTube, I think, in some cases as well. So I was able to kind of, it was a, it was like a discovery mode for me, just trying to learn what the, what the um, stadium looked like and, the the pitch and the different grounds around the country and all but certainly i follow was a revelation because it certainly added that visual aspect that i had been missing up to that point and we so, appreciate the advent of social media because now we like watching the groundhopper you know blogs it's it's fun to watch the different grounds in the uk yeah 
And, and, and Annie, I believe that uh, the pair of you have a, a local team. Again, uh, going back to what you just said, Ken, um, very much the underdog type teams, not an MLS team. Uh, I believe they're called the switchbacks. And I've That's done my cool. research well, since we last spoke. And I believe they play in very similar colours to Wickham as well. Absolutely. Sky blue they're... and black this time, though. Yeah, they, their colours are now, they actually were red, white and blue with mostly black and blue when they first started out in 2015 in the USL Championship, which is our Division Two behind the MLS, right, in ranking. And um, they switched when they built a stadium downtown, a state-of-the-art stadium, uh, to the true the cyan blue and black. And so it's very similar colors and uh, very similar feel. You were talking the other day about community involvement and knowing the players by name and getting to know the club members and that's very much what we share here with the switchbacks that's that's interesting to hear so do you do you actually have discussions with your fellow switchback supporters about your your connection with Wickham and and what you hear and and learn from across the pond absolutely and we have some uh, transplants from overseas that are here, uh, friends that have local clubs they follow, both in the Premier and the first, the League One and League Two. So it's fun to share our experiences of following our um, English teams from over here. Oh, that's really interesting. And I've got to say, I do admire your backdrop, and I'm led to believe the other side is all set up for the switchback. So yes. I've got to admire your your dedication to the cause. <laughs> yes. You know, we really feel it's important to support your local clubs. I think everyone in the community should support the clubs. They bring the community together and they do so much to foster that friendship with your neighbours. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Although if you, you're talking to someone who lives sort of 160 miles away from <laughs> my my home club, uh, and, and I would disagree, of course, but the bottom line is, I, I first came across being a Wickham fan through being a local and being uh, based mm -hmm. in that area, and life has taken me away. So, yes, I, I continue to support Wickham, very much like you're talking about my, my home club, uh, and I get reminded every week that I should be supporting <laughs> the local team down here, but no chance. <laughs> <laughs> it's that loyalty, it's, right? That's yeah, right. That's right. It's it's really interesting listening to how how it's developed over the years for yourselves. Um, but would you how would you say things have changed in sort of the last eighteen months since Wanderers TV's come on board and you know uh, obviously Phil Catchpole's become a staple of the team now a, a bona fide member um, within the club structure as well. Uh, and and also about the organisations like I'm involved with the Wickham Sound and and so on, where you know they're providing additional services to the club. You know the Wickham Wanderers show on a Thursday evening is rec is recorded on a Thursday evening, etc. Do you get do you get that sense that it, the club's really really trying to embrace the the support wherever it is around the world? A absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The, since the, uh, you know, the initiation of uh, Wickham uh, Wanderers TV, uh, you know, the amount of content that's available, you know, moving from the I follow kind of canned content that follows from club to club. I mean, it, don't get me wrong. It was great compared to what I was, uh, what, what I had access to in the past, but the, um, you know, the previews, um, you know, being able to join an hour ahead of the game and kind of listen to, 
you know, the lineups and, you know, sizing up the opponent from the commentator's perspective, um, the, um, you know, the post-game interviews with the managers and with the players, um, you know, the amount of um, deep visibility into this whole process uh, when Gareth left and, uh, you know, kind of how that whole all went out and, you know, that fly on the wall kind of bird's eye view into the room when it was announced to the players and how everybody reacted and, the, you know, the amount of affection and good luck and best wishes. And, you know, I, I hadn't seen anything like that um, for a club. And so really the combination of uh, Wanderers TV and also uh, Wickham Sound with the, uh, you know, the amount of uh, uh, lead up and kind of post follow up and even the halftime uh, commentary, you know, it's really been great. It's really expanded the the coverage for Wickham. And, you know, I, I really appreciate what uh, the Cougs have brought to the club. Rob and Misty coining, you know, worldwide Wickham phenomenon, you know, it, it, opening up your marketing to being able to allow the worldwide fans to get memorabilia. We wouldn't have a backdrop like this without their involvement. So it's been great. It really has. I really appreciate that because one of one of the things that a club of our size struggles with always is is going to be finances at the end of the day and and to be able to expand your fan base and quite vociferously really in in the short period of time that uh, you know Wondrous TV and the Coigs have been in in place it is is quite extraordinary because literally if you look at a a, a world map at the moment there's not many places, you know, in general areas that we haven't got a presence now. Um, I'm not saying it wasn't there before, but perhaps exactly. now it's been highlighted. And what I'm finding is we, we talk to people from uh, the Mexico, for instance, from South America or whatever, uh, and football is really taken seriously there, or soccer in your terms. And mm -hmm. they, they, the, the, what one little seed is sowing five or six more around them. You know, um, they go down to their own local club, like you would down to the Switchbacks, for instance, and they'll chat with their friends about their English club, and then mm -hmm. miraculously, they 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 like you said, they're after merchandise, they're after um, uh, scarves, flags, and so on and so forth. So. I really can see the commercialization aspects that the Coigs have brought in and how much it's improved our um, our standing beyond the, the shores of the UK. Well, and with social media, you, you mentioned earlier, do I share my love for the Wickham with my local fans that are Trailheads members for our supporter group of the Switchbacks? Through that group, I actually connected with some folks that are in California that support Wickham um, through social media, Twitter, Instagram. I've connected somebody with the, in Denver too, De right? somebody in Denver, somebody yeah. in Oklahoma. I mean, it's really great that we have stateside fans that are Wickham fans. Yeah, definitely. And and by the way, there's some in Ohio as well. If you you go looking, by the way. Yes, right. yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> and and uh, Delaware as well. Just uh, yeah. just to yeah. put it just to put it into perspective, you know, even it's across the, the US. Yeah, even even in areas that I wouldn't call necessary sporting areas traditionally. Mm -hmm. But it's well, really and the sport is gaining momentum over here. Yeah. It's really interesting to hear what you're saying. And and um you were saying when we spoke uh, earlier in the week, uh, Annie, about the fact that in 2020 you were planning to visit to see 
see the boys play live, etc., and how you've had to put that off. Um, I'm hoping that you will have a chance, as you intimated uh, uh, earlier in the week, 23-24, yeah. to see you over here and actually give you the opportunity to become part of the family in a literal sense, yeah? yeah. Um, I'm sure you'll be welcome with open arms and obviously let us know what your itineraries plan, itinerary plans are and I'm sure Phil and, and the rest of the boys at the club will look to do the best they can for you going forward. We're excited about that. We're just waiting on the boys that decided they wanted to make the trip with us and we're waiting on their passports. So if we don't make it for the end of this season, probably the launch of next year. Next All season. Right. So that, you'll be welcome with open arms, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I, I like to wrap up really with where what you get in terms of supporting Wickham uh, as you know we talk about it from my perspective and, and a lot of fans we grew up in the town and everything else but I think what I really want to get down to is how Wickham unlike a lot of other clubs have been able to capture your hearts and bring you to the table and want to support the club I you know I think it's the the grittiness uh, the style of play you know I know I, I've I spend time in the uh, in the forum, in the you know the fan boards and different yeah. things. And Wickham sometimes takes a knock for how they play. Honestly, I don't. I mean, you know, they uh, their they style of play is very effective. So <laughs> you can say what you like, but you know, it it it, it works. And and honestly, I I don't see any any huge difference. Of course, I'm a little biased, right? So I'm a fan, but uh, but I you know I think their style of play. I think what Gareth provided and what uh, Matt Bloomfield is going to continue with, you know, that, that, that level of play. I know they had a little bit of setback yesterday, but you know, they're, they'll, they'll be back on again they Tuesday for sure. But I think it's that the other thing was just the, um, you know, just kind of the history and, you know, how the trust works and how, you know, the Kuigs, um, it, it was very clear that the amount of open disclosure, the amount of that family aspect, like you said, where, you know, even in the leanest of times, uh, you know, you all were highlighting people that would come to the ground that would sacrifice their time, you know, to clean up and, and yeah. uh, you know, people whose lives revolved around Wickham. I mean, for us, we are thousands of miles away, but it's part of our morning Saturday routine. You know, it's 8 a.m. our time. So, you know, it's something we look forward to. You know, we I, I hang I've got another flag. I hang it over the mantelpiece. Um <laughs> Uh, right next to the television, and uh, you know, we lead our own little individual chants of "Come on, you blues and wanderers" and all that kind of thing. You know, uh, just the, just a couple of us. So, I mean, it's just yeah. I guess it's really like any fan experience, but certainly the way I think Wickham kind of conducts itself, how it's manages finances, even through the lean years, the decisions that have been made, the addition of the Kuigs, and kind of just that history. Um, and and how they you know they've risen up in their in, in their style of play uh, to me just uh, and and I love I've I've always loved the color quartered uh, color scheme as well so uh, yeah it's just kind of the whole package you know you know from my perspective the you you mentioned the other day characters you know of course you know the beast right right pops mm -hmm. right to your head as someone that you follow gareth playing as a player mm -hmm. um matt mm -hmm. uh, you know all of them that have gone on to do other things now or doing something more for the club um and now we're building new ones you know with folks and it's just 
you know, Joe has been around for so long. We love seeing him play. It's just we're getting to know names and players, and I'm loving the new crop of players that are coming up. So we're excited for the club. I think they have a lot of potential. Yeah, it's a class act. I mean, Gareth is a class was a, a class act. Matt's, Matt's a class act. You know, you listen to the players. There, you know, there's no prima donnas or anything like that. I mean, it's just it's just pure class. Uh, yeah. The 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 whole uh, package, the Genuine. club and the players, et cetera. Yeah. Well, I've got to say thank you once again, Ken and Annie, for coming on and, and giving us your version of how you became a Wiccan Wanderers fan. We're delighted to have you as part of the Wiccan Wanderers family. And hopefully we'll see you in the not too distant future down at AP. As I say, yeah. I hope you heard the shout out yesterday. At you Berlin. did. You did. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. hopefully you didn't get deafened too much with the uh, tannoy that uh, was causing us all sorts of problems yesterday. But thanks once again. It's greatly appreciated. And hopefully we'll see you, as I say, at AP very shortly. And uh, we look forward to it. Same here. Thank so you very we. much for your time. Yeah, thank you very much. All the best. All right. Bye. Take care. Uh, that was Ken and Annie uh, talking to Nigel. And uh, hello to Ken and Annie because they're listening in America. Uh, good afternoon because it's around about one o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, something quickly to mention is the Wiccan Wanderers women. They're hosting opening training sessions uh, starting in April for the 23-24 season. Uh, you can find out all the details on their Twitter, which is at WWFC Women. Uh, they're also going to be taking part in a summer, uh, summer tournament tournament uh, with uh, London Women's as well. It's very exciting for the uh, Wiccan Wanderers women. Yeah, great. Thank you. Thank, no, thank you. Uh, final item on the agenda uh, for this week is our uh, weekly catch-up with manager Matt Bloomfield, uh, reflecting briefly on uh, the game last Saturday, of course, and looking ahead to what's to come this week. You know, not the first time we've been discussing a, a good performance, but not quite the results we felt like we you know, could have had. Um, the mood's been very good because we try and deal as much on um, the performance and as much on the evidence of what we've learnt from, from the games. So we did that this week. We went over bits. Obviously, there was plenty that we want to improve on, but there was some positives from the performance as well, and that's what we try and do. So we analysed it. We went over it with the players, and they've been very buoyant in training this week. Um, we've had a good week on the grass, and we're looking forward to the game on Saturday. I'm sure you don't want to sort of praise individuals, um, but uh, Chris Farino uh, was in the uh, the football league team of the day, which must be very pleasing for both himself personally, but also collectively for the team as well. Yeah, certainly so. You know, we have. Um, you know, we think. Very highly of Chris. He's a he's a lad who's always one of the big things about Chris that we love about him is that the fact he's always wanting to learn. He's willing to take um, constructive criticism on board and and critique in terms of ways he can improve. Um, but obviously, we're really delighted with with what he's doing at the moment. And um, as long as he keeps working hard and keeps listening to the advice that he's been given, then we hope that he can keeps improving and we you know he's going to have a big career ahead of him. A shame for Gareth to miss out with his injury and, and other injuries that you've been suffering as well. But again, another opportunity for others to, to take advantage. Yeah, most certainly so. When one door closes, another one opens, doesn't it? You know, so obviously disappointing to, to miss Gareth. He's a big player for this football club, someone who we think extremely highly of. But, you know, David Wheeler was back from, from illness and was able to take his place on the right-hand side. TJ's come into the team last couple of weeks and, and looked really bright. And obviously Chem on the left-hand side has, has got a couple of goals for us recently and, and those three are in those positions at the moment. But having said that, Nick Freeman as well came on a sub and I thought was really bright, went and accepted the ball in tight areas, showed really good courage to get on the ball. So, um, yeah, they're showing good competition for places and we look forward to having Gareth back when he's, when he's back and ready. 
more good news from this week that Joe Jacobson will be here next season and also a testimonial as well yeah most, most certainly so you know um, JJ is one of those guys that um, this built this club has been built around over the last um, nine years now and um, he epitomises everything that we stand for in terms of longevity and um, always willing to go the extra mile um, his performances on the pitch um, have been of such a high standard for so you know such a consistent performer for us and someone around the training ground that you can really really rely on so um, I'm so pleased for Joe um, he's, uh, he's one of life's good guys and uh, he's been a great you know great performer for this football club over, over the last nine years and it's a really fitting tribute for him to be able to go into his testimonial season I know this is something we could say to you each week just changing the number but just eight games to go now yeah eight games to go but um, only one at a time and that's why I, I try not to fix on, on that number it is what it is however many games but it's only one at a time for us and that's what we have to each week we only concentrate on one at a time um, MK Dons this week obviously been in good form themselves and um, we've been watching them and analysing them but um, we're confident in what we've been doing and we have to concentrate on ourselves and make sure we perform to the level we know we can and should be potentially a really good uh, atmosphere at Adams Park again and a big crowd yeah most certainly so you know um, Adams Park's a special place to play football I know that from my experience but also to now be on the sidelines and, and see the boys been performing the way they did especially the last home game against Barnsley I thought they were very good and previous to that against Fleetwood as well I thought was a good performance so yeah we're looking forward to um, welcoming all the supporters in that we are a bouncing atmosphere and like I say we're trying to do our preparation as meticulously as we can because we have to make sure we go out and perform and are you getting used to if that's the right word being being on the touchline at Adams Park yeah, a little bit. Yeah, of course, it's um, it's a it's a job that um, you know I've had long ambitions to to achieve. Uh, I'm extremely proud to be here, but um, you know my only focus every day during the week is to get the boys in the best place. This, you know, your football club's only as good as the players. They're the ones who are out out there doing it, and our our job as staff is to um, you know supplement them to to get them in a place to perform, whether that's tactically, psychologically, um, you know, get them ready to go go and perform, and that's uh, all our focus is on on the players. And does it feel both with yourself and the rest of the team like a really kind of exciting time at the moment going into these remaining games? Oh, most certainly so. You know, um, you know, you, we're all involved in this life in football because we want to be involved at, at the right end of the table at, the, at this time of the season. You know, this, uh, this is the fun bit. This is where it really matters, and this is the bit that we want to thrive in. And over the years, we we've kind of managed to find a way, and, and we want to find a way again. But like I say, that's that's the long term. Um, you know, in the medium to long term, the, the short term is just making sure we're ready for Saturday afternoon, and and that can uh, we have to use that excitement that enthusiasm and the energy of what could be but but focus everything on on just the 90 minutes at three o'clock on saturday pleasure to speak to the manager as always and if you are going to adams park on saturday to uh, back the blues the start of the final four you might well have seen the posters in and around town uh, as well advertising the fact that we really are in the sort of the run-in now the business end of the season as um, some people call it. Uh, if, you, if you're not going, though, uh, don't forget you can catch full live commentary here on uh, Wickham Sound on 106.6 and on Wanderers TV as well. Uh, Phil will have Danny Sender alongside him mm-hmm. up in the uh, the gantry, the uh, the Bill Turnbull gantry, yeah. which he admitted to falling over a couple of times. Yeah, I have uh, as well. Gaining access to... <laughs> is it that treacherous? Yeah, the stairs are... Just, I think the stairs are just slightly off. Oh, OK. Dear Rob. But the <laughs> architectural issue with the stairs. Slightly <laughs> or off. Or it's us, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, and don't forget you can catch uh, this show on the podcast wherever you get your podcast from as well have a great week and uh, enjoy the game on Saturday come on you blues <laughs>